0: for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania.
1: to the Local Edition, news and information, keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. Coming up in the second half of the program, we continue to get reactions from uh, local folks in the community over the attacks on Israel. We'll hear remarks from Rabbi Zierler coming up in the second half of the program, and Rabbi Kleinman, who we just had on Monday evening, talking about dealing with anti-Semitism locally. I just spoke to Rabbi Kleinman uh, from Holmesdale, Temple Beth Israel, just last hour. And they have a Night of Solidarity that's coming up on Friday night. And he'll have all the details for us. It's coming up in the second half of the program. First up we start where we always start on uh Wednesday, which is with the latest news, weekly news roundup from the River Reporter, and that's why we talk to Liam Mayo. Liam, uh welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back, Jason. So uh I I hear that uh you're taking a look at uh what's going on with Clean Path L L C and this has to deal with uh Power transmission lines. Is this, is this electrical power or, or is it actually clean as the name Clean Path LLC would indicate?
2: Yes, this is uh, talking about clean electric power, um, or clean as any power can be, I suppose. Uh, the, this project would, uh, conduct a power line underground from upstate New York, uh, through Sullivan County into New York City uh, from Delaware County to Queens, uh, in one way of looking at it. Um, it's following an existing above ground transmission line, um, but the sort of reason this is kind of called a clean uh, power line is it will connect a bunch of green energy infrastructure projects built up in central New York with the uh, power uh, needs of New York City. Um, it's currently sort of hard to get electric power or clean power from where it's produced to where it's needed. Um, you can imagine there isn't a ton of room for uh, huge fields of solar panels in the middle of New York City the same way there is, say, maybe in central New York. And this power line is one of a couple of things uh, the state's doing to solve it. It's going to bring... a huge chunk of power from central New York to the city.
1: Wow. And so um, there, is there a hearing coming up about this? Yeah, there, well, there was a hearing. um, Oh, this is one that already happened. Okay.
2: Yes. There was a hearing on October 4, um, just to sort of introduce this project to people in Sullivan County. Um, It was a couple of a number of hearings originally in August scheduled across the area. It's going to impact
1: So um, any indication of how folks are reacting to this? Did you hear anything at the hearing?
2: Um, I think it's generally positive. Um, There are some concerns from people locally about how habitats and land might be affected by the building and the operation of this transmission line. Um, It is kind of, a, in one way of looking at it, a major infrastructure project, and those always have the potential to uh, impact the ground around them. Uh, Heather Brown uh, from Salton County um, sort of urged at this hearing that uh, the project's community investment fund um, go to upstate communities. So there's like a part of this that involves giving money back to the communities. It is um, the, the power lines passing through and the uh, head of Brown was putting in a bid for Sullivan and the other upstate counties. Um, but as far as I can tell, this reaction was has generally been positive, um, or at least there aren't sort of huge glaring downsides to this. It's not – it's a big infrastructure project, but it's not the same as like running an oil power – sorry, an oil uh, pipeline, pipeline through yeah.
1: but- a – if they're talking about at this stage, it sounds like this is early enough. If if that's what Heather Brown is is suggesting to them, it sounds like they don't know exactly what its path will be yet. Correct?
2: No, sorry, they do. Um, oh, she she was mostly just saying like the the money from this project should support the upstate counties it passes through. So we know where it passes through. Um, it's following kind of a pre existing above-ground power line, just sort of mirroring it underground. Um, But uh, Heather Brown was asking uh, that the investment fund associated with it help the upstate counties that will be affected by it. Um, But no, the project is, in the grand scheme of things, decently close to completion. It's sort of working... Uh, to get its final permits necessary. It's looking for a decision in the summer of 2024, next summer. Um, and it could begin operation in 2027.
1: So. Okay, great. Uh, and for your next story on the Pennsylvania side of the river, uh, people are working on a program to help survivors of domestic violence, uh, find some housing. Who's working on this and, and where are they at
2: with it? Yeah, um, it's the Greater Pike Community Foundation partnering with Pike County Human Services to provide kind of help for survivors of domestic violence. Um, It provides survivors trying to get out of abusive relationships or trying to just establish themselves away from the situation they were in uh, with rental assistance. So it can cover up to eight thousand dollars of sort of all the associated rental costs a security deposit first and last month's rent um electric gas water that kind of thing um and it just it, it aims to help these situations by providing people with another place to go essentially um so that people don't have to stay in bad situations or end up homeless um because they don't have the immediate like funds available to find a new place in kind of a inflated rental market.
3: Okay.
1: And um you know this is something uh, an issue that we've been following, I mean throughout our listening area, but I know uh we we spoke to folks that are working on various projects in Northeast Pennsylvania about this before. So this is a good good update to hear. Um is there is there anything else on that story?
2: Um just that uh part of the Announcement uh, from this was uh, it, this is part of the work that the Greater Community Foundation is being done it, or is doing to honor Domestic Violence Awareness Month uh, throughout the month of October, I believe. Uh, yes, October. So, um, yeah, just it, it's good that there's help out there, but also the awareness of the month is important.
1: Absolutely. Okay. And, uh, finally, uh, for the, the last story that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, I, uh, what this, <laughs> this is about the opioid crisis that has been impacting our region. Again, just to remind folks that in Sullivan County, at least, uh, in our listening area has the highest death rate, uh, at least uh, from the latest data that we have got, the highest death rate from drug overdoses in all of New York State. Liam, you've got information about battling uh, addiction and overdose on uh, both sides of the river, again, in Northeast PA, as well uh, as uh, our area of the Catskills in New York. What do you got?
2: Yeah, uh, these aren't huge updates, but it is a huge story. So a lot of times there will be like little bits of information coming out about the the battle against this crisis um, and there were two little bits uh, recently um sullivan county announced that it has purchased 174 naloxone boxes um it naloxone is uh, more commonly referred to as narcan it's a, a nasally administered opioid reversal drug so if someone is overdosing and you as a bystander have Narcan on you you can administer an archon and potentially save this person's life and give that person time, uh, time to survive until, uh, EMS personnel can get to you and provide further care. Um, so, uh, Sullivan County has 174 of these boxes. Um, as of the time they've announced this, they said they've only found homes for about 20 so far. Uh, so they're, asking local businesses to uh, consider like putting these boxes in their establishments so that Narcan is more readily available out in the community. Um, and real quick, the news over on the other side of the river, um, there were a couple of recent reports um, from a uh, data firm, PHC4, that uh, talked about, um, just county level health data from across Pennsylvania and it had specific numbers for 2022 for uh, hospitalizations with opioid uh, use disorder it there weren't numbers specifically for um, overdoses in Wayne and Pike um, which could be a good sign that there sort of weren't enough of these uh, to be statistically recorded, Um, but they did have uh, sort of the broader category, just hospitalizations with opioid use disorder. Um, Wayne had 30 throughout uh, 2022, and Pike had uh, 37 throughout 2022, which is, of course, um, in one case, 30 too many people, and in the other case, 37 too many people. Um, But it is both uh, rates of hospitalizations were a lot lower than, uh, Pennsylvania as a whole. Uh, for Wayne County, it was, uh, 67, uh, per 100,000. Pike County, it was 70. And then if you take Pennsylvania statewide, that's, uh, 262 hospitalizations, uh, per 100,000 overall. So it brings home the state of the crisis and also shows that uh Wayne and Pike maybe aren't in quite as bad a position as Sullivan is um, in this moment.
1: Yeah, and I'll just remind uh listeners that uh, uh we spoke to folks from the Healing Communities Project on uh, Monday night's episode of the local edition. It was a holiday Monday if you missed it. Uh, you should listen to it to learn more about the Nalox boxes, the Narcan distribution boxes that Leah mentioned in that headline, uh, being installed all over Sullivan County. Liam, we have one, uh, here after we did the, uh, interview heading into the weekend. Uh, we installed the box. They, they, they literally bolted this little box on the wall with the, n- uh, n- naloxone, uh, doses, uh, in there in case there's an emergency and anybody needs to come in and use that.
3: Oh, that's, that's
2: wonderful. I, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that you have that. And I, I hope you never need to use it. But Me too, yeah. It's, it's good to have. I, uh, yeah.
1: And they're going to have a map that people can access online to show them where they are. So, you know, wherever, uh, wherever there's an incident or problem happening, they can see on the map where are these boxes located. So anyway, if you missed that, it's on the Monday, uh, the Monday edition of, uh, the local edition. It's on Monday's episode, and that's uh, online at wjffradio.org on our archive. Or uh, sign up for Local Edition podcast. Make sure you never miss any edition of Local Edition. And uh, make sure you thank Liam Mayo for doing the great work that he does. That's what I'm going to do right now. Liam, thank you for the great work that you do. Thanks for having me on. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, more local actions, uh, more local reactions to the uh, Israel-Gaza war that's going on in the horrible attacks that happened in Israel. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local.
0: I'm Darrell Brogdon. That's my real name because would I make up a name like that? We're at the Underground Martini Bunker, the home of space-age pop and incredibly strange music, testing the limits of reality every week on WJFF Radio Catskill, the retro cocktail hour, where the music is served shaken, not stirred.
3: Wednesday night at 7 on Radio Catskill.
1: Welcome back to the Local Edition. I'm your host, Jason Dole. The death toll continued to climb in the Israel-Gaza war today. Israeli media said that at least 1,200 Israelis have been killed from the Hamas attacks. Palestinian officials say at least 950 Palestinians in Gaza have been killed, along with 1,000 Hamas militants inside Israel. In the aftermath of the attacks in Israel, there are many reactions from across the world who unfolded. We've been looking at local reactions here on Radio Catskill and sharing them with you. And just last hour, I received a call from uh, Rabbi Elliot Kleinman, who we had on Monday night's uh, program here on the local edition, and uh, he gave us the following update. Rabbi Kleinman, welcome back to Radio Catskill, and uh, I hope you're doing as well as you can be on what must be a, a very difficult time right now.
3: Thank you for having me. It has been an incredibly difficult time. Um, this is... What has happened in Israel is the equivalent of 10 9-11s in a single day. And it, the pain is felt by the Jewish community, not just in Israel, but the world over. We all know somebody or somebodies, uh, who are intimately affected, who have been died, who have died, who have been kidnapped, who are family members of friends, etc. And so it's been a very difficult time. That is why our congregation, Congregation Beth Israel in Honesdale, will be gathering on Friday night at 7.30 p.m. Rather than our regular Shabbat service, we'll be doing a special Shabbat service of solidarity with Israel. Community is more important now than ever, and we want to invite people to join us on Friday evening. Uh, you don't have to be Jewish to be there. Jason, one of the most inspiring things... Has been the number of people, Jews and non-Jews alike, who have reached out uh, to every member of the Jewish community and said, "How are you doing? My thoughts are with you." It makes a huge difference. Uh, we want to demonstrate that we stand with Israel in this very difficult time, and we will show our support for Israel through words and song as we welcome Shabbat. Uh, we'll as we gather. There will be opportunities to send cards to people in Israel and to connect with Israelis. Uh, and we hope people will come out and show their support for Israel by being with us on Friday night.
1: Is there anything else you can share with us at this time? How how are the members of your congregation doing? Are you hearing from, from them individually?
3: I'm talking to a lot of our community, uh, both online and over the phone. Um, this is a difficult time, uh, for Jews everywhere. It, it is personal. Uh, because the people who did this, Hamas, uh, it is not about hating Israel. It is about hating Jews. And they want to see Jews dead. The fact that they were able to do this in Israel is simply, uh, one aspect of that hatred. But, Every Jew lives with the knowledge that they wanted to see Jews dead. And that is a very difficult thing for everyone in our community. One, one person I spoke with the other day said, uh, I look forward to people asking if I'm okay because I'm not okay. And knowing that they asked makes a difference.
1: Well, I, I thank you for uh giving us an update on what's going on and how people are feeling and again uh this this is a service of, is open to the community.
3: It's a Friday Absolutely.
1: evening at 7:30, is that correct?
3: 7:30, October 13th.
1: And it's going to be right there at uh Temple Beth Israel, correct? Meeting inside the synagogue? Yes. And Congregation Beth Israel uh, in Honesdale is online at Congregation Beth Israel Honesdale.org. We've been talking again to Rabbi Elliot Kleiman. Rabbi, uh, I just wish you all the best and 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 hang in there.
3: Thank you. Your prayers for peace and comfort make all the difference.
1: Okay, and uh, earlier this morning, Rabbi Lawrence Zeeler, Rabbi at large here in Sullivan County, spoke to Tim Bruno on Radio Chatskill. We're going to get to as much of this conversation as we can right now.
0: In this difficult and unprecedented time, how are you and the community processing what happened on Saturday in Israel?
4: Well, first, we're living with a tremendous amount of shock, and we're trying to find and navigate and negotiate our way through that shock um, and uh, do what we can to be supportive of our brothers and sisters and of our children, um, because I can tell you that there's a tremendously high proportion of uh, people, uh, especially within the rabbinical community, uh, that have children living in Israel, myself included. I have a son who is a Muslim, uh, lives in Jerusalem with his wife and two daughters. And, um, he, in the middle of the holiday, he had to take off his, uh, holiday vest and put on his army greens. And uh, he received what's known as the Tzav Shimona, uh, the, uh, command eight, which calls you up to, um, the, um, uh, the reserves. Um, The the response, which is very encouraging, uh, to the reserve call-up has been 150%, so that even people who um, are past the age where this would be a requirement have actually volunteered to come up and and to bolster um, the fighting forces. and uh, But here we are trying to figure out what we can do to provide for necessary equipment. I mean, there's always a dearth of, uh, of equipment that's needed um, when something happens so quickly uh, and you mobilize so many people, um, and there are tremendous efforts um, to raise in a very directed and protected way um, 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 funds and, and the resources. Unfortunately, you always have to worry about scams. And we're doing our best to make sure that these go to the right places. You spoke but to I your, really
0: to... well, I wanted to ask you about your son. You said you spoke to him and he's been, he's been deployed. He's been called up. What, what can he, what did he tell you about what's going on on the ground there?
4: I know where he is and I can't share that, uh, but he, yeah, I course. know, I haven't, I where he's at. Um, he is trained in urban warfare and meaning hand to hand combat or would have to go, I should say house to house combat. And, um, you know, his responsibility would be for the West Bank. So they're trying to make sure that things there are quiet. Unfortunately, there is a void of leadership because, because Mahmoud Abbas is really um, just an impotent leader at this point. And so they really have to keep a handle and uh, try to keep a lid on uh, what's happening in the West Bank and hope that the uh, escalation or um, there is no escalation of, of, of violence in that area because that would complicate matters. So, you know, it's a multi um it's got many different centers and spheres of, uh, um, of potential conflict. Right now, of course, the greatest worry is um, securing Gaza, which seems to have been done, the Gazan border, and then worrying about something happening from the north. Uh, but what will happen in centralism, Judea and Samaria, uh, we hope that that will not, you know, that won't come to pass.
0: Uh Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said that Israel's response will, quote, change the Middle East. Um, that was today as he was uh, visiting the area. How, how do you think it will change the Middle East?
4: Well, I think we have a paradigm shift here in terms of warfare,
0: uh, you know, and so
4: that the whole issue of warfare uh, and this kind of combat as a way to be able to make a point and to be able to, you know, protest what people consider to be, uh, I would say, unfounded um, denial of uh, uh, of autonomy, especially with regards to the two-state solution, um, that's going to be very different now because we're seeing rules of um, of, co- of war that have actually been abrogated. I mean, this is nothing like this has ever been seen. Uh, every rule has been broken. Every international convention uh, of of, uh, of warfare has been broken. To start with, you're dealing with a situation on the ground which has existed for a while of asymmetrical warfare. What I mean by that is that the combatants and the militants, the terrorists coming from um, Gaza, they don't wear uniforms. Uh, they embed their loved ones uh, in uh, churches, mosques, and hospitals. Um, and these are things that Israel would never do. The Israeli soldier wears a, a uniform, and by international convention is required to, so that they're identifiable. So you have that that problem to start with, of uh, being able to identify the enemy, which is why you can actually have breakthroughs sometimes. So how this one happened, the, the intelligence issues, you know, that's going to be left for a later time. Right now, the Israeli society. Has really come together, and whatever political differences they had before, with judicial reform, that's been cast aside. You're really seeing a tremendous fusion of uh, of um, of peoplehood at this time. So I think that um, Israel has uh, has a, has its own social experiment. Um, it's it's changed in terms of how it was dealing with its political issues, but even more so, um, we are going to have to really look at um, the rules of warfare because this is just absolute savagery, barbarism. This is not how you make a point. War is a tragic, tragic reality of our human condition. It's you know it's the spot, the blot on our souls and uh it it's just something that we've lived with for so long and we've tolerated it's bad enough in and of itself, but when you actually act in a way that is just so um um that has no regard uh, for for human life in any form or in any place or in any context, killing two hundred and sixty people at a peace concert um naming uh, Holocaust survivors and elderly people, taking children and putting them in chicken coops. Taking away from their mothers, denying them their you know the ability to be nursed by their mothers, denying people medicines. I mean, just going and pulling and abducting people. Um, it's it just it's unheard of. It, it's- we have we.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt. It, you're, it is not uncommon for the violence to break out between Israel and Hamas militants in Gaza. But usually the impact in Israel is minimized because, you know, yeah, it's right. been sort of, for lack of a better term, traditional. They, you know, send rockets over the border. Most of them are intercepted by the Iron Dome. But, uh, you know, Israel responds with airstrikes. But what, as you said, happened last week and was unprecedented in scale and coordination and uh, just uh, brut- brutality um, as, as the country tries to grapple, grapple with this and, and come together, do you think there's a way forward? Do you think that there's a way to, uh, uh I don't know. The, you know the, as you said, the, the, the norms have been shattered.
4: Well, look, the President of the United States has spoken away, uh, unconditionally in support of, of Israel and with his condemnation of this. Um, and I hope that other world leaders will follow suit and, and through those statements. Um, they will say that this is not the way, this cannot be done. We cannot, you know, proceed and, and prosper as a human community, uh, if this happens. I want to also say that in other cases when Israel has had to go into Gaza, it's really been to, to quell the insurrections, to quell the riots. Um, to provide deterrence, you know, a lot of people don't know that Israel has a basic code of conduct for its military. It's called the Tohar Neshek, or the Purity of Arms, or Ruach Tzal, the Spirit of the Army. And um, leftist elements, actually, in the Israeli political sphere, were responsible for this, and it took root in Israel. So that every army soldier knows that they have to be very careful how they use their how they use their their rifle. How they use their um, you know, weaponry, um, and uh, many Israeli soldiers suffer um, for you know a indiscretion around the use of their uh, their um, rifle to watch uh, soldiers as I have on many occasions um, the way they sit down at a table to eat and wrap their uh, their uh, rifle around their their feet um, you know it always has to be with them if you lose your gun you 're in a very serious situation. And um, there's this notion of proportional uh, or a proportionate warfare that is a part of the ethos of the Israeli fighting forces. Um, so they don't want to go in there, and they would never go in there to spray and to kill indiscriminately. Yes, there are the moments when perhaps um, there is a, a rogue individual, and we beat our hearts in our breasts almost to a bruised, you know, uh, to a bruise to when this happens. Uh, we are never proud of people who step out, talking, and there always are inquiries and there's an investigation when someone has stepped out of line. Uh, that is makes Israel that sets them apart, and that doesn't get people don't know that they and they need to appreciate that, which frustrates this kind of situation because Israel needs to use a heavier hand now than it would prefer to do
0: Rabbi you mentioned your your son and his family in in israel uh he he's been called up uh to the to fight uh have you heard from any other friends relatives, or colleagues in Israel or other folks who have connections uh from our community there
4: uh, I have not um had have uh, heard from anyone, um, we unfortunately are hearing more about uh, people that we've lost. So it is a tremendous body of people that we have who are extended family in Israel. And so therefore we can't help but expect, tragically, that we're going to hear more losses.
0: We're talking to Rabbi Lawrence Zerler, Rabbi here in Sullivan County, New York, about the Israel-Gaza War. Rabbi, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We will sure to be in touch with you. Um, and we wish your, your son and his family uh, safety and our thoughts are, are with them and all uh, involved with this conflict
4: let us pray for everyone let us pray for everyone let us pray for a better world let us pray that that, that reason can actually somehow uh, land on in, into the hearts and into the souls of those who see it differently and unfortunately are you know